So I do want to just speak to you a little bit this morning about this theme of Christmas. Um, there's lots of beautiful things happening, but Kath basically just preceded perfectly. Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel, please. Emmanuel. God with us. And the word Emmanuel does not just mean God with us, it means God for us as well. And so in, and so in everything you find yourself in, every stage of life, every situation or circumstance, you might find yourself in, Jesus is there with you. And uh, I love how, um, I think it was Spurgeon who says that Christ sees through your eyes. So what you behold you, is, is beheld by the, by, the, by, by the King of Kings. And, 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 and it just paints a picture of this Jesus that's not far off. It's not a Jesus that is indifferent to our realities. It's not a God who sits on a throne and he's cold and callous waiting for an opportunity to punish and judge. But it is exactly a, Jesus, a God who came to earth in the form of his son, Jesus, as we know so well. And I really pray that you would read these stories to your children. I mean, this is amazing. And the way that we find connection in life and in every situation, really, is through a story. True? Through a story. If it, it would be so cool if we could hear people's stories just in our community. Like if you just come and sit up here and tell us your story. It would be riveting. It would be mind-blowing. And, and we find connection and community and real relationships through our stories. And God invites us into a massive story. Not at a, diff, at a distance, but you, I don't know if you've ever watched a movie or you've, or you've, or you've read a book that you've, did you lose yourself in the book. And then you like snap out of it and you're like, wow. I really, Frank is totally an addict of that. He, he gets so into the movie and, and stuff like that. So it's an amazing thing. And God, God invites us into this movie. Not movie, story. <laughs> story. Where Jesus is really our friend. Our saviour, our, 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 our bear, burden bearer. He's the one that walks with us, that never leaves us. And like I says, he is Emmanuel. And I, I do want to speak a little bit about that because there are three things that I think that happens when we, uh, when we um, understand that what Emmanuel really is. So I'm going to read a scripture, but it's not at all the Christmas, the Christmas scripture. Okay. I trust that you will read the Christmas story. It's just an amazing story of how Christ came to earth. But I want to read today out of Romans chapter 8, from verse 31. And I want to just to try and very quickly, in 20 minutes or so, answer the question to what does it mean? What does it mean that God came to earth? And, and how can we know that he's with us? So what does it mean that God came to earth? And how can we know that he's with us? There are three things I want to talk about. Let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 39. I'm reading out of the TPT, TLT, one of those. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? Now stop and think about that. He came into this space with us. Fallen nature, fallen sin-filled world. Became like us to identify with us. What else would he not do for us? What more can he actually still do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? That's you. Who would dare even to point a finger? 
the one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, standing up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture can separate us. Woo! Just for those of you falling asleep. Jordan, wake up. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or even unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus has embraced us. Woo! I love it. It's, it's unbelievable. This is Romans chapter 8. For every one of us in this place who's so hard on ourselves at times and who through some superficial spirituality and religious mentalities think that we can in some way still earn this position that we find ourselves in, in Christ. Remember, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And God's grace that He gives us, it literally means He gives us a power. It's like He, he breathes over us to enable us to do what He's called us to do and to be who He wants us to be. Which is amazing if you look at Jesus. If you're ever confused about God, look at Jesus. That's why the... Meta-narrative, as the fancy guys say, is so important. The story will never change. The story is amazing. It's always the same. And you will find it in every area of your life if you look for it. So these three things. Psalm 23 verse 4, Kath quoted it. I didn't know Kath was going to do a little thing about the Christmas thing this morning. But she said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? 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 For you are with me. He's with us. He's with us. In fact, that the fact that God is with us is the basis of our security. It's the basis of our peace. It is the foundational basis of our joy. It is the basis and the foundation of our hope, of our expectation. It's the very reason we live, the fact that He's with us. We didn't choose that He's with us. He chose that. We choose as we reciprocate, as we encounter Him, in the story and by His Spirit, and then we are transformed, sanctified, we changed. And that's where things get tricky. But the promise is there and it will never change. You are with me. It's the basis of everything. It's the basis why we do what we do and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish and why we are who we are. That's why it's called the be attitudes. It's to be. Okay, so the name Jesus that said, I'm with you always, is the one who has authority over all things. And he said, I'm with you always. I won't leave you. 
I won't forsake you. Hebrews 13 speaks of a contentment that Paul finds himself in because of this promise that I will never leave you or forsake you. Psalm 73, the nearest of God, the nearness of God is a very good thing, the psalmist says. It's a very good thing. So these three things I want to speak to you about, how you can know that he is with you. Number one, number one, perception. Please say it with me. Perception. Perception. I went and looked at the word perception. It, it means what you perceive. It means what you, what, when you walk into a space, what do, you, what do you feel? What do you see with your eyes? What do you experience? And as a result of that, that perception, something in your, in your, in your world is created, or your psyche, or your story is, is added. Awareness of him and his presence is probably the biggest way with, which we know that God is with us. In, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, um, Moses speaks of this reality of seeing that which is invisible. Okay, perception. So for those who are born again, things change. Like Paul speaks about these scales that fall from our eyes, and we develop the ability because of our relationship with Jesus to perceive things that the normal eye do not perceive. That's why Paul also says that we don't live by what we see, by what is seen, but by what is unseen. That's perception. So our perception changes, all right? Paul speaks about this, and, uh, and, and the saints speak about it all over the time. Abraham was called by God from, uh, from Mesopotamia, even before Ur, I think it was Ur, uh, to go to a place that God would show him. It didn't say that God said, okay, go from, go from here to Ottawa. He just said, go, I will show you. He saw a building, he saw a city whose architect and builder was God. He saw what no man saw. That's the perception that we get and gain if we are, uh, if we are the sons of God. Our perception changes. Does that make sense? Has anybody have a cool story of how that's happened in your life? Quickly, that you can think of. No, wasted your time. Missed your opportunity. <laughs> so verse 16, Paul says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For the light and momentary afflictions or troubles is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So if you think you're having a tough right, right now in your life, or at any stage of your life, in any area of your life, relationally, financially, future-wise, children-wise, whatever you can think of, think about the scripture. This light and momentary trouble is, 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 is forging for us a, a glory that far outweighs all of this. What is that? But perception. That's why you can have people that look at the exact same thing and see ten different things. Like Catherine, oh, it's snowing, Yes! And then you have Eric, oh, it's snowing, oh God, I have to go to work. Perception. And he says that, uh, verse 18 of 2 Corinthians, he says, beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they temporary, they fade away, they change quickly. Today you're super happy because of something that happened. Tomorrow nothing happens and you're therefore not happy. And so these things are light and momentary. They are transient. So, we've, so God is, Paul is calling us. Jesus is calling us. Jesus walked into Jerusalem just before his crucifixion and most of the religious society never saw him. We think they crucified him. No, the Jews did. They were too busy with their religious activity. Their perception 
was on the things that were seen and here and right now in front of us. And for me, the greatest thing always in hard times is lift your eyes a little bit higher. And, and it's in those times that we need each other. We, honestly, we need a friend that can say, look, dude, I know you become so preoccupied with what is right here in front of you. And we all have that in our human nature. But you need someone to say, lift your eyes just a little bit higher and try and see what you cannot see now. See the future. See the hope. See the glory that outweighs all of these temporal circumstances. So, so we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen is eternal, are eternal. Seeing the invisible through an awareness of the presence of Jesus in our lives now. Jeez, that's cool. I should totally Twitter that, tweet that, what he said. <laughs> Seeing the invisible through the awareness of the presence of Jesus in our lives right now. This doesn't mean that he makes light of our trials. He just says there's more. Look higher or go lower or whatever. Perceive. What are you seeing? When he spoke to one of the prophet guys and he says, what are you seeing? He said, I see, the, I, see, I see a tree, an almond tree. He says, look again. What do you see? And the question for me, for me always in this Christmas season... Friends, you know when, when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you? You've got to seek it. You've got to look to see it. I'll tell you a quick story. When I was a kid, I played rugby, not soccer ever. And we had a soccer game one, one day, okay? I played rugby my entire life, never soccer. And there was a schoolyard pick. You know what a schoolyard pick is, right? Now the schoolyard picks for the rugby, I was... I was you know, I was never in a position, I always had to pick. So I was like, okay, I'll take this guy, this guy. But in the soccer teams, I was just one of the, I was standing there, and I was picked last. <laughs> no, we'll pick you, we'll pick you, we'll pick you. I'm like, what the heck? There's like already 10 guys on either team, no one's picked me. So the last guy picked me, okay, Yaku, I, was, I walked up to him, I said, listen, take your soccer ball, and whatever, and I left. <laughs> I left. Because I want to be wanted. It's a, human, it's a human thing in all of us. And don't think oh, you're so much better than me. You all want to be wanted. God. We're created in the image of God. And I think that's why God says, seek me. That you would find me. Because he wants to be wanted. I'm not defending God. I'm just saying it's so much a part of our perception in this world. In this time. Like you could see this world around us. But if we're not seeking the kingdom... Seeking the kingdom, that's the only thing here. We, we need to almost get away from our sin, overdeveloped sin consciousness and just see, seek the kingdom. So that when we, we take our life and we weigh it in our pursuit of the kingdom, I hope this makes sense to you. You don't think, oh, I'm sinning, I'm missing God. No, you're just not seeing the kingdom. He's just doing your own thing. So is it wrong to have a latte on Christmas? Heck no, it's awesome, it's wonderful. But if that latte in any way obscures the kingdom, then that latte becomes a big problem. Or a Christmas tree. Yaku, do you know that's idolatry and paganism? I do. I studied that at Bible school. It's not obscuring the kingdom for me. I'm not pursuing a pagan god when I decorate my Christmas tree. I'm, 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 I'm celebrating with my family in the space that God has created. And I want to say this to you. We become so hair-splitting, like dogmatic religious society. Not this church. This church is more on the other side. But <laughs> too free. Come back this way. <laughs> and you can, take, you, can, you, you can literally sit now and, and, and take everything in your life 
in the view that Jesus promises never to leave you and weigh every single thing up, how much you eat, how much you drink, your relationship with your kids, with your wife, how much you spend, how much you don't spend, how stingy, how generous, and you could weigh it all up against Am I seeking first the kingdom? Because this scripture ends with, and all these other things will be added to you as well. It doesn't say all these other things are evil, bad, and are luring you to hell. No, it says if we seek first the kingdom, seek it, we'll find it. And I'm telling you now, it's a matter of perception. What do you see? Christmas, this time is what do you see? Do you see that Jesus came for us to, uh, to show us exactly what the Father's like. To bring us freedom and liberty. Have you ever read John chapter 3.17? For God did not come into this world. 16 says He loved us so much that everybody who calls on Him and believes in Him will be saved. Number 17 says, For He did not come into this world to condemn this world, but to save this world. What a wonderful Savior. I want to know Him. I truly want to know Him more and more and I want Him to know me. Because it's definitely a two-way street. It's not just a one-way street. If it's a one-way street for you, you always feel like you have to stop the religion. Just know it's a two-way thing. Perception. Jeez, sorry guys. If you want to see God, you have to seek Him. And if you do, you will find Him because the Bible promises that. And that's why, the, that's why we read the scripture. It's the only reason. To, to get the story, to get the picture, to seek, to become to become aware, perception. Perception is a big deal. And if you want to see it. So seek first the kingdom. It's not a passive thing. And it doesn't just happen. You must want it. You must want it. God wants us to want Him. So put your mind on Him and keep it there. And for me, perception is developed with this. If you want to know how on earth do you become perceptive like that. You stop. So simple. You stop. And you train yourself. And there was this guy called Brother Lawrence who wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And it is like that. Honestly, I'm telling you right now. If you ever get the opportunity to play golf, I know I talk about Craig a lot because I love him, but he, if you play golf with him, you should do it. You know why? Because it is so awesome. No matter how your game is terrible, Craig plays perfect golf. So to watch him is just amazing. Like he walks up like super cool, you know, it's like 340 yards. And it's straight in the middle of the fairway. And then Frank's much better than me, but and Chandler's like up there with Craig. But I try as hard as I can. I concentrate. I take all the tips from Frank and Craig combined. And I just, I, I, I struggle. I struggle. But this is my point. This is my point. There's this t- the business world's got it. There's this 10,000 hour rule. I don't know, something like that. There's something about a 10,000 hour rule. If you've done something for 10,000 hours, it becomes like second nature. And I, and I think many of you have something like that in your life. Your perceptions are trained in that area. The Bible speaks about that. Those who have been trained by the discipline of God, which is a sign that He loves us, it's not punishing judgment, it's confinement to increase us down instead of fluffiness, like the fig tree who had the promise of fruit, lots of leaves, but when Jesus got there, had nothing. We live in that world. We are alive in a world of fluff. When God, all God wants is, hey guys, let's just go deep. Why? So the next generation can eat from the fruit that are real. And allow me to continue to prune back, prune back, like the vineyards of Stellenbosch, until there's a deep root that brings a fruit that's everlasting and sweet, and all the nations of the earth can consistently eat of that. But we live in the world that is exactly opposite to that. 
And that's why we are never, ever satisfied. Our perception has to change. And Christmas for me is such a cool time. I absolutely love it. I feel happy. I never drink peppermint lattes because it's 1,200 calories in a cup. But Christmas, <laughs> Christmas is latte time, peppermint mocha. It's my f- peppermint mocha is the best drink. And I don't even like Starbucks. But, but that's the time. But it doesn't obscure the kingdom. Do you understand? Understand what I'm saying to you? That's, okay. So create a perspective, uh, perception. To create a perception, a true perception in your life that is a kingdom perception, I promise you today, will be transformational in your life. And I promise you today, there is no quick fix. And this church has sold us a, a, a skewed theology by saying, one encounter, we just want to encounter Jesus. We just want to encounter Jesus. We absolutely want to encounter Jesus, without a shadow of a doubt. We can't live without that tangible encountering in the presence of Jesus. But then the process of transformation is the other wing of this bird that you cannot get away from. You cannot just walk into and say, ah, it's a transformation change. No, Jesus might be in your heart, but grandpa's in your bones, and you have to get him out. And you get him out by, by practicing the presence. You meditate on the things of Jesus. Hence the scripture. Hence, Lord, I meditate on that so my perception changes. So I look at the situation that everybody else looks at and I see life when everybody else sees death. When you walk into an old house and everybody just runs out because all they smell is mold, all I smell is money. I'm just quoting the guys from the, from the shows that John films. <laughs> He told me that. And the next two are very quickly, so I'll just be very quick. The next way that you know that you know that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, is number two is provision. Provision. I love the story in Genesis where Isaac was in a time of famine. Okay? I love it. It's so amazing. Because every time God moves, you can almost trace it back to it's exactly opposite to what I would have done back then. And Isaac, in a time of drought, nothing grew for years and years and years and years. God said to Isaac, sow. I want you to sow. Sow a harvest. And he ripped a hundredfold. So much so that all his enemies around him went, whoa, whoa. This is, this is not him. This is God. Limelech, I think it was. Said to him, Isaac, we want to partner with you. Why? Because Emmanuel, God is with you. How do we know that? Because in drought, you are reaping a hundredfold. Friends, that is the metaphor of our lives in a New Testament reality. They all looked at the lack. And Isaac saw the promises of God. With Abraham, they all looked at what was impossible. And God and Abraham saw the possible. Now think of that. Break it down into your life. It's the way that we can live all the time. In the time of absolute lack, God he is the one that makes the rivers flow in the desert. The springs come up from dry ground. The water gush from the rock. The God who makes the impossible possible. He is that God. And the thing is this. This is the kicker. We can do it by ourselves. But we'll miss the kingdom. If we tap into that reality that he is with us and he will never leave us. We are investing not into our lives right now, but into the kingdom, which is everlasting and eternal. It's amazing. And God will let us do it ourselves if we want to, because he's so kind, he's so gracious, he's so big. 
And most often, he will rescue us at the end of that debacle. But he will let us do it by ourselves. We'll miss the kingdom, but he'll still pursue us. He'll never stop pursuing us, ever. That's what, he, that's what he's like. He's actually good. If you think God's good, he's better than that. He's, he's gooder than good. You can do your best. It doesn't mean that we now sit back and say, no, God's going to do it all. No, you can do your best. Uh, but your trust is not in your uh, own ability to create wealth. It's in God's commissioning in your life and through your life to create wealth, to create life. Like the widow at Zeropath, who had nothing. One cup of oil, a little bit of bread, and the prophet said to her, can you make me that last bit of bread? She's like, uh, <laughs> no. No, this is my last meal. My son and I, are you crazy? He says, make it for me, please. And we know what happened. The oil never ran out. The, the flour never ran out. Why do we just leave it there in the old? How's that not for us? It is for us. That's how we know Emmanuel. God with us. Supernatural provision. This is not the prosperity gospel, guys. This is the reality of the gospel. It's wonderful. So remember the difference between wants and needs. Seeking first the kingdom, all these things will be added to you. Therefore, we can have everything we want and still miss the kingdom. Because there's a difference between wants and needs. And the wants easily obscure the kingdom. The needs are there in acknowledgement that God provided for us. We live in that world, be careful. We live in the fluffy fig tree world. Jeez, there's another tweet. And lastly, power. The last way in, well not the last, I'm sure there's millions of ways, but my third point is power. God with us is, is obvious when we have um, power with us. Genesis 26, during the famine, oh, I, I said this about Isaac already. Um, when the outcome of your life supersedes your ability, it's a mark that the presence of God is with you. And I, I want to confess to you, I am I definitely married up. I know that very well. I, I came from a very, very conservative, kind of depraved Afrikaans thing. And you guys all know all the stories of that, you know. And um, I grew up in a, in a kind of a middle-class home on a farm for the first while of my life and then at the age of like 15, 16, moved to, moved to the city to learn to speak English. And, um, and um, there's, there, there's honestly nothing romantic in what I'm trying to tell you right now. My life wasn't amazing. I was just uh, nothing. And the fact that God could take someone like me, bless me with a wife like I've been blessed with, allow me to experience the nations of the world to live in community and relationship with friends that I honestly honestly at times I, I, I think God how do I deserve friends like this to have like a, a John Queen and play the guitar faithfully next to me and I watch him do those chords and just all the things that I look at sometimes the fact that God is because of one thing Emmanuel when God can take the little of our lives and make it bigger. I'm not saying I'm Billy Graham. I, I don't want to be Billy Graham. But I want to say that a sign that God is with us is the power that you know when you look back, geez, this is not in my ability. And simultaneously I want to charge you and say to you, that I believe that God wants you to lift your eyes to that which seems impossible for every one of your lives. 
Some of you have accomplished amazing things in your own ability. Be careful you don't miss the kingdom. Because it has to be transferred to the next generation. Perception. How do you see what you see and where you are right now? Provision. That which is supernatural or God makes the impossible possible. And power. That God would take you and I to go and to live this glorious gospel in the nations of the world. That's unbelievable. Second Corinthians 10. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is in Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening in my letters. For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but when he's here with us, his bodily presence is weak. <laughs> are you guys listening to this? This is Paul. It's like, wow, your letters are so mean. We thought you were this mean guy, and then you arrive and you're five foot one, and you're pathetic at speaking. <laughs> Sorry, but when you in his bodily presence you are weak and your speech is of no account. <laughs> Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when we are absent, we do when we are present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves by one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence that God assigned to us, to reach even you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you. For we were in first to, the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limits in the labors of others, but our hope is in that as yours, that your faith would increase. Our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in the lands beyond us without boasting of work already done in another area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord commends. We have this treasure in jars of clay. It's Christmas time. Let's have an awesome Christmas. Filled with joy. Expecting this glorious gift that God has already given us. I hope you guys get some gifts, okay? I'm getting great gifts. The nicest thing is when your children start working. Woo! <laughs> the gifts go from little handmade paper things to woo, rock and roll. That's exciting. But let's never lose sight of the kingdom. It's the only eternal reality we have. And even if we've bamboozled and become a little punch drunk with what this world offers to us and what we've done, let's stop long enough, even during this time of Christmas, to just meditate, to train ourselves in the presence, to practice the presence. In the presence, we are changed. In the presence, our perception changes. And cheer each other on to do that which is impossible.
Amen. Amen. Come on back.